Today on the Pro-Life Podcast, a town targeted by the abortion industry is now a sanctuary city for the unborn, and it's not even in Texas! We need to talk about this! Pull up a chair, let's get started. Happy Tuesday, Pro-Life family. Pull up a chair and grab whatever warm beverage you prefer because it got cold outside. Oh my gosh. We jumped both feet into fall. Mm -hmm. Room temperature. (laughs) (laughs) It's my water. Or room temperature water. That's fine. I already have my hot chocolate today. So let's go around the table, do our introductions, friends. Hi, I'm Kim Schwartz, the Media and Communication Director for Texas Right to Life. Emily Cook, General Counsel. Brent Klingerman, IT Director. So there was some fun news in, well, there's, there's been a lot of news if yeah. you've watched some good, some bad, but we'll talk about this fun one to open here. New Mexico has joined the family with a sanctuary city for the unborn. Yeah, and this is especially important because whenever uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned over the summer, then uh, Whole Woman's Health, which is a chain of abortion clinics, announced we're going to pack up all of our Texas clinics and move them to eastern New Mexico, like right on the border. It would just be a few hours away from Lubbock, which is where I have a lot of family. another abortion clinic is moving right outside of El Paso. So they're trying, they're still trying to target Texas and they're doing this in a lot of states too, where they'll just go right on the border of in a pro-abortion state, but right next to a pro-life state. And um, Eastern New Mexico though, is actually very conservative for such a blue state. It would seem the case if yes. they decided to vote against ever having a clinic in their town. Yeah, so Hobbs, New Mexico is one of those towns that's right there on the border. Uh, I think it's like two hours away from Lubbock. And um, they just passed the Sanctuary City for the Unborn Ordinance, which says that we are not going to allow abortionists to operate in our town. So that was a big win for the pro-life movement. It's a big block for the pro-abortion movement because they are targeting these small towns in eastern New Mexico to open up a clinic. So this takes one piece off of the board. So was it on the ballot in November or was it passed by the city? City council. Okay. Yeah, we did have some other cities too um, in Texas. city council. Well yeah. done. The city councils, local races, local elections are where you can get to know who your candidates really are because those are usually the candidates who are in the pipeline to go into different offices when there's a vacancy in Mm -hmm. a state Mm -hmm. legislature seat that like, oh, well, this city councilman looks nice and that city councilman. Mm -hmm. And there is value to testing these city council men and women early on in their early on in their political trajectory of like, okay, and this is, what are you going to do? Especially those who waffle in a very conservative mm-hmm. pro-life leading state. And if there's still a community and they're yeah. still waffling, are you kidding me? You think you yeah. can send those people to the pink dome? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at, we all, at the same time within this last week, we had four cities that had the sanctuary city for the unborn ballot proposition. They had to vote on this as a town because their city yeah. councils were too chicken to yep. pass it. And you've got a lot of these West Texas cities too. I'm from West Texas. I am very proud of West Texas because we are a very conservative area and our city councils were too chicken to pass a pro-life ordinance. And so whenever you're looking forward, uh, especially whenever you're talking about how um, city councilors are often elevated to higher positions later, 
Beto O'Rourke started as a city councilman. He did, not. He did of <laughs> El Paso. Really? Yes, and so you can see how people rise. Um, was it? Was he? Did he go by Robert at that point? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but Beto O'Rourke, even though he is not quite grasped those higher aspirations, um, he you can see how this unfolds and they gain a higher platform. So that's why it's important that uh, you know who your city councilors are, that you try to mm -hmm. uh, get involved and pass pro-life and conservative policies at the local level, and they yes. can have an impact like here in Hobbs, New Mexico, where they are prohibiting the abortion industry from opening up and setting up shop uh, in their community. And so we also expect this to have a, um, a ripple effect of other towns in the region because Eastern yes. New Mexico is actually very conservative. And so we're hoping that other towns are going to copy that and then we can just snuff out the abortion industry from opening in Eastern New Mexico. They're gonna be protecting uh, New Mexico babies and Texas babies. Well, awesome. well, two things on the, the local races. If you won't stand up with friends, you're not gonna stand against enemies. Yeah. So speaking of elections. Yeah. Do we well, want to open this can of fun right now? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I felt like the election was a mixed bag if you look at it was. nationwide. But if you look at Texas, we did a really good job. Do y'all have the same kind of sentiment? I mean, we had a meeting. John was talking and uh, Dr. Siegel, our president, was talking. You know, we gained some seats in both the houses. Like, yeah. Yeah. For the pro-life movement, we're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Like I, like most people, am disappointed in that we didn't have a bigger margin in the House, that yeah. the Senate is at best going to be 50-50 right now. And um, so you look at that and it can be discouraging, but then and people will try to blame uh, abortion on Republicans, that Republicans yeah. did poorly because of abortion. But, on national politics. Yeah, but right. you look at um, like Texas and how Greg Abbott won by a huge margin. Dan Patrick won by a bigger margin than he did in 2018. Uh, he's- Beto got his hat trick. Yes. He now has the, the failed Senate run, fa failed gubernatorial run, and failed presidential run. All so. right. Good job, That's bro. another stamp on your card, right? Yeah, what happens yeah. when you get five? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Let's not even try. <laughs> anyways, um, so Texas actually had a really good showing. Like you said, we flipped a house seat uh, for our Texas yeah. state house, the one not not the capital in in uh, Washington, D.C., but the capital in Austin. Uh, there was a district on the border, like touching the border with Mexico that flipped from Democrat to Republican. Mm -hmm. This is Janie Lopez. And so we're really excited uh, to have her. She was endorsed nice. by Texas Right to Life PAC. Then the other one, which is a, I'm very proud of, is um, a district in Fort Worth for the state Senate. And this was a district that Wendy Davis once held. Now that's held by a Republican. And yeah. so we picked yeah. up uh, one seat in both the House and the Senate, both chambers. and. It's not just that we have more pro-life voices, but we also have better pro-life voices. Right, the quality of the mm. people who are on the floor. Yeah, and so let's just talk about some of the people that we've replaced this election cycle. Um, two Republicans who were retiring, um, Lyle Larson in the San Antonio area was a state rep, not a pro-life, not a reliable pro-life ally mm -mm. by any means. Um, nope. He 
signed on to a bill that would add uh, rape exceptions for to the Texas Heartbeat Act and target uh, children conceived in rape, uh, held all these exceptions, was not a um, pro-life champion by any means. And so we're going to send Mark DeRazio, who is a strong pro-life voice. We uh, championed him in the primaries. So now he's going to represent that. And district. Mark's a great example of how when you're in lower offices, that really shows how well you're going to perform. Um, in because as an SREC, the state Republican executive committee. So think of those. The SREC is the precinct chairs statewide. It's like the board of the directors for the for Republican Party. Yeah, yes, effectively. Yes, yeah. yeah. So you think if you have your own, have you ever heard of precinct chairs in your own counties? These are this precinct chairs on steroids for the entire state and each yeah. Senate district. I used to see that on my ballot and I was like, I don't know what that is, but okay. The yeah. precinct chairs? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So the SREC are two. Um, each Senate district has a man and a woman and they govern the Republican Party of Texas. And Mark DeRazio was a very vocal fighter um, on many issues, mm. but definitely on the pro-life issue as an SREC committee man. So that's incredible. So he's, he's replacing a very liberal Republican in the Texas House. So we have, even though it's a seat that was Republican and stayed Republican. It wasn't a very good one. It was a very, very bad Republican replaced with a good Republican. Um, and so that's another big win. Then also in the state Senate, you had up in Amarillo, this guy named Kel Seliger. And again, not a reliable pro-life ally. He was a Republican, but he sided with Democrats so often that you really couldn't tell the difference a whole mm -hmm. lot of time. And we're replacing him with Kevin Sparks, who was endorsed by Texas Right to Life PAC from the very beginning. And I'm excited to see just how the quality of candidates has increased so much in each chamber that we're setting ourselves up for a great victory in the next legislative session, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's going to kind of lead us into our next topic here that we have the opportunity to make a lot of good for the pro-life movement. But sometimes that doesn't always translate into responsibility. Sometimes lawmakers don't see yeah. that they do have the responsibility to use their majority to save lives. They just think, oh, well, we have this this majority. That's nice. We're not going to do anything. With My it. friends are in control now. Yay. Yeah. But it doesn't do any good if you're not going to actually pass the pro-life policies that people elected you for. Um, so I think... Yeah, let's go ahead. We'll take a break and we will get back to what those responsibilities are next. Save the date for Boots on the Ground. It's an awesome pro-life conference coming up January 28th and 29th. Come to Austin, Texas with us to march to the Capitol, to celebrate the end of Roe v. Wade, to commemorate Roe v. Wade, and to learn from expert pro-life speakers on how to keep Texas pro-life forever. Come to Austin with us and hear from Ryan Bomberger, our keynote speaker who shares his personal story, and so much more. Book your tickets today, bootsonthegroundtx.com. See you in January. Without warning, you or your loved one could end up in the emergency room where every second counts and your medical wishes matter more than ever. However, if your loved one doesn't have the right medical documents on hand, they may not be able to make decisions for you in a crisis. My Life Angels solves all of this by walking you through step-by-step -step in creating these important medical documents and storing them online securely for you and your family to access at any time. The service is only $7 a month, but use the link in our description for 20% off your initial subscription period. Don't let strangers make life and death decisions for you. Get the My Life Angels app today. 
Welcome back, friends. I hope to see you at our convention in January. Um, so we were talking responsibilities. I'm looking through. We have a team of people who help us look like we know all the facts, but they send me emails with facts on them. It's really um, a group effort. It definitely is. There's a lot of behind the scenes folks who uh, help us look very smart and we appreciate them greatly. <laughs> Sammy, thank you for this email. Um, I'm just getting to the bottom of this email here. Turnout for this last election was a little over 45%. Of registered voters? Of registered voters. Of the 17.7 million registered voters in Texas, 45% turnout. So that's not even, people, registered voters does not mean eligible voters. Right. Yeah. True. So like True. We, we're, we just keep funneling down. Yep. Because <laughs> I think there's 20 plus million wow. eligible, and then there's 17 million registered, and then there's those who actually went out and used that registration to do something to support their values one way or another. Um, just want to say, Texas, we can do better than that. Mm -hmm. We're Texas. We should have the biggest turnout in the country, period. Yep. Because we're Texas. Yep. Okay, soapbox done. Huge. All right. Responsibilities for those who are now newly elected. Yeah. Re-elected representatives. Yeah, we had all the success last week. And even though the rest of the country didn't enjoy the same success that we had, we had a lot of success last week. And now we have to translate that into action. We don't just vote for people to make ourselves feel better or to yep. give them a high five. Like, yeah, you believe the same things I do. We elect you to do a job. Mm -hmm. We're paying you to do a job. And so some of those priorities that we're looking at in this upcoming legislative session, it starts in January, is to make sure that lawlessness in terms of abortion is not the status quo, because that's what we're seeing and that's what going to be gaining traction unless we act right now. So what are some of the things that we see that the abortion industry is doing illegally? We see them shipping these abortion drugs to straight to college dorm rooms. We saw at Texas A&M, remember, they were having that uh, workshop on how to commit an illegal abortion. A Zoom meeting. Yes. Yeah. On... yeah, that was an interesting video. Okay. With a New York abortionist. Um, so we saw that. We see um, the district attorneys, several district attorneys in big blue cities have said, we're not going to enforce pro-life laws. Uh, you saw this in... Now, wait, isn't their only job to enforce the laws? You yeah, think. so people misuse this term all the time. They say, oh, well, district attorneys have prosecute, prosecutorial discretion. Yes, that is accurate. But that doesn't mean what that looks like in practice yeah. does not, that, that is completely different than saying, oh, hey, legislature, like we know we said we're gonna uphold the constitution and part of that is this whole separation of powers things, but actually what you do in Austin, it just isn't going to translate here in Bear County. We're just not doing it. Yeah. That, like that, right. that is not it. Prosecutorial discretion is, um, okay, so am I going to spend our resources on, you know, the 17 year old who was caught with a little bit of weed and ruined his whole life? Like, are we doing that? Is that, that is a, you know, does he get community service or does he get slapped with whatever the mandatory, I'm not a criminal lawyer, I don't know. <laughs> whatever it's, that's prosecutorial discretion. That It's not, yeah, we don't like that law you guys pass over there, so we're just going to ignore it. Yeah. Ridiculous. So they're elected officials. They were hired by the people to do a job. If they're not doing that job, it is up to us, the people, to 
fire that. And lawmakers absolutely have the authority to come in and say the state legislature to rein in the wayward district attorneys. There's no that whole local control business also gets flung around without actual any real meaning attached to it. Mm -hmm. No, that's not. We have like our the legislatures who makes our laws. They are called political subdivisions. There's a reason because you. You, you you have a parent up there, right? Yeah, you're, 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 right. It's that idea. If I say it enough, uh, it, it becomes true. Right. Oh, but they fall for it in the Capitol. Uh, they do. I'm not surprised. It, it's it's. Uh, yeah. Seriously. I, Seriously, guys. Uh, the GOP chair Matt Rinaldi once um, said that local control ultimately boils down to the individual. There is no more local. Uh, control than the individual. And so whenever we look at the unborn child, like you can't use local control as a means of robbing the right to life of an individual. Correct. We don't say, well, there's local control for, uh, no, you can't have free speech in uh, Bear County because local control. You can't just strip somebody of their rights because of local control. Right. Yep. Anyways, so uh, we can't let lawlessness become the status quo. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's some people who think, well, Roe v. Wade is overturned. You guys are done, right? We hear that all the time. And uh, yeah. Not done. Very not done. Right. Have we used the analogy yet about about David and Goliath? Maybe. Maybe I don't think we've used that on this podcast. Yeah. So our president, Dr. John Segoe, had really put this into perspective about where the pro-life movement is going and what to do next. He said, we're at the point in um, our in, in pro-life history where David just shot Goliath with a stone. Goliath mm-hmm. is down. Okay. What did, is on the ground? What did David do? Did he leave? No. They wanted him to leave, but he didn't leave. Like He still had to yeah. finish the job mm-hmm. and to slay Goliath. Like, mm-hmm. that's where we are. Goliath is going to get right back up. Yeah. But yeah. that's 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 the moment, this moment in history that we're at as far as what is the responsibility of the pro-life movement moving forward? Exactly. Yeah. So we have to keep moving the ball forward. And so we're going to do that. We have to do that in the next legislative session. We need to make sure that uh, we give private citizens the authority to uh, sue abortionists if they can, if they continue to kill preborn children in. And why? Why is that? I can answer. It's a rhetorical question. Okay. <laughs> um, because I think people are kind of like confused. Why? It's a deterrent, it guys. It, mm-hmm. it is because if you're sitting there in San Antonio or Travis County and the only person that can enforce those laws um, and shut you down is that district attorney who's already your buddy at the... He's bought and paid for by Planned Parenthood. You know, it's... I mean, you're going to get in a cycle. Weekends, We're yeah. going to get into an electoral cycle of recruitment, nomination, and winning of district attorneys who will turn a blind eye to the illegal abortion mills running out in Main Street. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, the civil enforcement mechanism, the Planned Parenthood might can control those elected officials, but they can't control you and me. They can't control your pastor. Like that's, that's the point. Yeah. That's very well said. So we need to make sure that we're expanding that private enforcement, the civil enforcement to give everyday citizens the authority to hold abortionists accountable. Uh, We also need to expand the alternatives to abortion program. That's been such a successful way of helping women choose life. And now that abortion is illegal, uh, we have in Texas, we have to make sure that that we're actually giving them the resources to 
actually foster and uh, not think like, well, I can just go out of state for an abortion. Yeah, to succeed. It's yeah. to to choose life for their baby and to succeed in this new role as mom. Yeah. And uh, you, I know if anyone's listening to this, you've had someone tell you this or post it on Facebook or tweet it or pro-life people just care about babies and fetuses and don't care about after baby's born. Okay. So the alternatives to abortion program is a com- is like that's Texas Texas has been for years making a significant investment yep. into programs that help women choose life and then walks with them for 3 years. Yeah. Um as they learn this new role, job skills, parenting skills, like connecting Education, them with the, mentorship. Yeah, yeah, connecting them with the resources that are out there to help them make good life decisions. Yeah. And even then, we've had so many And women. it ain't run by Planned Parenthood. Yeah, nope. yeah. It's like, I have $100 million to tell you different if you think that pro-lifers don't care about uh, babies after they're born because that's how much Texas has invested in this last uh, legislative session. We've given $100 million to the Alternatives to Abortion Program. And we need to increase that because there's the increased need. Um, These are people who are walking alongside yeah. pregnant and parenting families on a daily basis, getting into the nitty gritty of their lives and changing their lives for the better. Yeah. Uh, not too long ago, we had a pregnant, we've had several pregnant women call our office and say, I need a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And so that's where these yeah. maternity homes come from, like come in. Uh, but remember, Brent, you were involved in this too, of like trying to mm, call around yeah. And how hard it was to actually find somewhere that had an open bed. Because There's only so many beds in the area. Yeah. And they, I mean, when these women get in there, they're they're going to be there. Pregnancy takes time. They're going to be there a little while. Yeah. And yeah, beds are filling up. There's a huge need. Yeah. And, you know, wait lists yeah. aren't going to cut it there. Yeah. They're really at the max here. We have to make sure that we are allowing them to expand uh, because there is the need. It is our responsibility, whether you're pro-life or not. Uh, if you believe, I, I imagine that if you if you support abortion, it's because you care about um, the health and the safety of the pregnant woman. And so you should support this alternatives to abortion program. You should uh, believe that in giving state resources to adoption agencies, maternity homes, and pregnancy centers to help these women. That should not be a partisan issue. Um, but the the other thing we need to accomplish this legislative session is ending the 10-day rule. Yes, that thing that is almost never used. Well, how, ma- how, many, how many calls have we had in the last week? Two yeah. weeks? Well, well we, we have two current 10-day cases going on right now. So if you're unfamiliar, um, Texas yeah. law does allow euthanasia, and it is um, underneath the Texas 10-day law. If I you're in an ICU setting and the facility, um, you're on some form of life-sustaining treatment. That could be dialysis. It could be blood pressure medicines. It could be ventilator. Um, These support. are really basic things. Is, this I is mean, not like, like chemotherapy yeah, if or a heart ICU, transplant. If you're in the ICU, got one of these going, yeah. okay? Yeah. You're not in the ICU if you don't have one of these issues going on. And um, if the hospital decides or the physician decides you've been there too long or yeah, they're just done, then they can say, hey, I want, um, you know, we want to remove life-sustaining treatment. And your family says, no. And they say, well, we're going to anyways. And they, yeah. they yeah. convene what's yeah. called an ethics committee. Sometimes, like in this hospital that we just had recently, 
They more appropriately called it, referred to it as the Medical Futility Review Committee. I was like, yes, thank you for putting that in writing. Because I appreciate the honesty. Exactly. But that is shocking. I know. Believe because me. it's not, they don't, they say like, oh, well, the care is futile. Ultimately, they can, they withdraw treatment for non-medical reasons. Ah, yes. I would say the vast majority of cases that we see, I would say 99.999% they're withdrawing treatment for non-medical reasons. It is because, Correct. Not, not that the treatment is futile, the person is futile. <sighs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. I don't think your life About, is worth living. Yeah, and a distinction between that. So 99% of the time it is quality of life. Well, we just don't think this person is there. They should continue mm. living. Um, the third to last 10 day case I've had that I had recently, it's like three cases ago, um, the removal was was one of the 1.1% per, where the treatment just wasn't the treatment wasn't working. The patient right. was going to die if they did this treatment, and they yeah. and that that was it. That was actually I don't think a uh, we shouldn't have ever been in the ten day situation. It was a communication problem, I think, and not explaining it well enough to the family. They just heard they're not going to do this. He needs this. And they're not going to do it. It wasn't ever explained to the family. Yeah. If we do this, he will die. Right. So it's like, does yeah. he die now or does he die later? So, um, um, but anyways, we've had a recent case. And uh, we were called on day eight of the 10 day countdown. And we, the you know, we asked the family, why did you wait so long to call us? Mm -hmm. And this patient actually um, has a trach. So that means his ventilator support is through his um, throat mm -hmm. and not down his through, through his neck, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. not down his throat. So right. you can communicate with the trach. Your voice is kind of raspy. Right. Sometimes if you have a trait for a long time, they can put a little voice box there or something to help you communicate. But this um, patient is conscious. Yes, he's conscious. Yeah. And he can communicate. And he can, can, yes. And so that's the answer from his brother, who is his medical power of attorney. This man has executed documents naming his brother as his MPOA. And the hospital can still override Which that. Which is far more than most people have. Yeah, yeah it is. And um, I talk to lawyers all the time. And they're like, you can't override an MPOA. I'm telling you, you can. But right. anyways. You um, shouldn't. You shouldn't. <laughs> but Texas law needs to be fixed. Yes. And so they, the, the brother explained to us that the reason why it took him so long is because he wanted to glean from his brother what wow. he wanted. And it took a while because it's not like he, that, you know, yes, he can communicate with, with the trait, but he can't sit here and talk like you. And it takes a lot of effort. It takes mm -hmm. a lot of time. You've got to wait for him mm -hmm. to be, you know, a, you know, awake. And so he was working, waiting for his brother and he, and he lived an hour away. So he wasn't there 24 hours with his brother. Um, but his brother told him, um, I want, I don't want, he told him, I don't want life support removed because I believe that that, I feel like that is akin to me committing suicide. Wow. And he said this <laughs> while the countdown is happening. Yes. The and hospital did not stop the countdown after no. that. And yes. a reminder, By their own volition. it's not 10 business days, it's 10 calendar days. And so they, weekends fall in there too. Mm -hmm. Yep. And this um, there was also confusion of when the 10 day countdown was going to end because the hospital didn't even tell the family specifically it's going to be this date. And it was just, it, it was all, all sorts of, it was very cruel. Um, but when his brother, when the patient told his brother that uh, what his wishes were, then the brother kicked into high gear and Good. called us and we were able to um, first get an extension. And then we found out that the hospital didn't follow the law correctly. And so we're, we're kind of in a holding pattern right now, nice. but the countdown is stopped right now. So, right. so we're so winning. We're we on are, the right. We are winning. We and haven't for, won yet. 
Well, and for those of you who saw the email that went out and supported our Family Assistance Fund mm -hmm. to make this legal counsel available, Thank this you. is this is what that money does. It yeah. supports legal counsel for families in these situations. So thank you guys for showing up and supporting um, our our family assistance fund. Yeah. That email. So there will be more emails going out. As if you're not on our email list, but you're watching this podcast, go ahead, subscribe to the email list. Then you'll know when these things are going on and how you can get personally involved in these cases. Yeah. If we have time, I can tell another story. Ooh, oh, a recent yeah. story. Okay, we got a few minutes. Go. Okay, I got a few minutes. So we had this little girl, okay, uh, young teenager, and the hospital started saying she's brain dead. And now mm. if you're under Texas law, you can either have life support removed under the brain death statute, brain de death law, or the 10 day rule. And with uh, brain death, there is no advance notice. Like I can yeah. walk in and be like, okay, here's everything. Bye. Like Correct. I'm just taking everything away. 10 day rule. You have the countdown ahead of time. They have to right. give you advance notice. They have to give you 10 days. Brain death. There is not any of that. It can be immediate. Correct. And so they were trying to, they, they were just kept going saying she's brain, we think she's brain dead. We think she's brain dead. Well, but they weren't like gung ho on, wouldn't commit to it. And so mm. we were kind of like, mm, let's do some more tests. And then they were kind of antsy about it. So we kind of scared them out of the whole brain death aspect, it seemed like. And so they're like, well, you know what? We can't kill her that way. We're going to just start the 10 days on her because we don't think she should live anyways. And um, in the middle of all that, her mom gave birth at that hospital. Oh my goodness. And um, it just was a complete, just oh. crazy. So the 10 day goodness. countdown started or, um, and we were able to get it stopped. And we are now working on next steps for that patient as well. Hopefully that awesome. doesn't rear its ugly head awesome. again. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So. We got to keep praying because I think just during this time of year, we always get a surge in patients in November, yeah. sometimes early December. I have these calendar notifications that show me like, oh, this is the anniversary we saved Tinsley Lewis. This is the anniversary we saved Jose Portillo. And those are great. But I just realized these are all compacted kind of in the same area. So we're seeing an uptick. Uh, this is a euthanasia epidemic here. We've got to stop the 10 day rule and we have to minister to these patients here right now while the law is still in effect. We can still make an impact to save them. I was say, oh, this almost never happens. We almost never use this. Mm -mm. Anytime someone says this almost never happens, that's because they're trying to avoid the moral question. Right. You see this with late term abortion. Whenever we say late term abortion is wrong, the opponent will immediately say, well, that almost never happens. You didn't answer the question. I asked, is it okay that late-term abortion happens? Is it okay to take life-sustaining treatment that is working against a patient's will, knowing that it's going to prompt their death? Is that okay? Kim, I'm going to use that next time. We, All right. Well, You're just we, trying to ignore the moral moral question here, we people. Live, <laughs> okay, we live in Harris County. We're in, like, the most populous county in, in probably and the most nation. of America. Okay, there's a lot of people commuting today. Yes. Millions and millions of people will commute today. An extremely small percent of them will be hit by a drunk driver. That almost never happens. It almost never happens in your commuting. Does that mean it's not that big a deal because it mm -hmm. almost never happens? Is it okay yeah. for that drunk driver that he killed those passengers? Yeah. It's almost, no. It almost never happens. It's, no, nobody's going to say that. Yeah. We know this is wrong. But somehow, when we get into these cases, oh, well, that almost never happens. But somebody dies when it does. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Sure. Amen. Sure. The right. patient is named Jesus. He is at a Christian hospital 
So please pray for Jesus and for the patient advocacy team, for the lawyers who are really in the thick of it here um, and pray that the hospital will be moved by the Holy Spirit. Can I, I make a snarky remark? Please I do. Feel free. <laughs> feel free. Look, just like the problems we have on our college campuses, the Christian universities and the Christian hospitals are the absolute worst. Dang. They don't care about your civil liberties. They don't care about freedom of speech. They don't care that you get decision-making abilities and when you die. I mean, it just... It's shocking and heartbreaking. So, um, if you're listening to this and you've been a, an administrator in a facility like that, you've got some serious soul searching to do about what are your policies, mm -hmm. what is the culture you're creating, mm -hmm. and why are you why are you teaching and practicing like this? Yeah, mm. yeah. What church do you go to? Yep. But just like David and Goliath, like we're up against these major yeah. institutions, especially institutions that claim to be of the faith and they're just not. Uh, we're up against those, but we are winning. We are making progress. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And if you'd like to support that progress that we're making, if you'd like to hold those legislators feet to the fire during the session and make sure they do those things they promised you they're going to do during their election campaigns. If you want to support the Family Assistance Fund, if you want to save these families from these terrible situations, link below. Go ahead and make a donation. Get some skin in the game. It's how you can get involved on a regular daily basis. And maybe you can't go to Austin. I mean, I don't know where you're watching this from. You may be, Texas is big. You may be seven or eight hours away yeah. from Austin, but your donation is about two minutes away mm -hmm. from making a difference. So link below, Texas Right to Life slash stand, yes. I believe, or Texas Right to Life slash donate, both yep. work. Well, guys, I think we're about out of time. That's all right. It was a good episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. We appreciate you guys. Share with your friends, like, subscribe. Go ahead and subscribe to our email updates. You'll get notifications when people are in these fights with hospitals like Jesus, like his family. Um, also, we need to talk about later, next first of next month, Trent Horn's going to be on the show. Oh, yeah. We, I'm so excited. We nailed down the scheduling on this. We had to work out schedules. We were going to do it earlier yeah. and then couldn't work that out, but he's... Coming in first of December, first part of December, we're going to record with him. So I'm excited about doing he that. He is a brilliant pro-life communicator. If you want to feel stronger in your ability to have conversations about abortion, especially with people who don't agree with you, you need to listen to the episode that we're going to have with Trent Horn. Uh, so make sure that you tune in. That'll be the first of December. Yep. Nice. So it'd be kind of the entry level talk to what he's going to do for us at Boots on the Ground, which would be the advanced apologetics. Nice. So that'll be a great talk. Anyways, we will see you hopefully before next month, but make the appointment. See us next month. See us like, next week. Six, and, yes. See us next week <laughs> and next month. See us all the time or else. Just kidding. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Bye.